Hi, and welcome. I'm Z. And I'm Keith. And we're going to tell you about the movie that we just watched. But first, a little bit of a heads up. Some of the movies we watch deal with heavy subject matters. In order to talk about these emotionally delicate things and the heavy subject matters that we sometimes cover, we add humor and crude language to add some levity and to process our own trauma. If that doesn't feel fun or safe for you, we completely understand. Please take care of yourself first and foremost. And we spoil the end of pretty much every movie that we watch. Now you know. On with the show. So apparently it's pronounced Grise, John Grise. Oh, what? How are you saying it? Grise. Grise. But the I, it's I E, which in German, I'm assuming it's a German name, given that pronunciation, because in German, the first vowel is the one you say, mm. not vowel. Yeah. Yeah, you right. said it. Vowel. Right. You meant consonant, but you said vowel. No, sometimes I say vowel, and I think I'm saying syllable. Okay, I see that. Sometimes they say marshmallow, and I think I'm saying... Wheelbarrow. Mushroom. I I get those... I I don't get the two things confused, but my brain sometimes says marshmallow when I mean mushroom and vice versa. It's true. I think I've I've experienced that. Same with hemorrhoids and hernias. That was a a thing. That makes sense to me. Because for whatever reason, I could not. Well, for that, I I used to get them confused as to what they were. Right. I was like, I don't understand. Well, as a kid, they're both treated with the same like ew, nasty butt yeah. stuff. <laughs> it's related to shitting somehow. Like I always felt like hernias had to do. I always thought they had to do with pooping, like your genitals or your oh, butthole, right, yeah. because of how people talk about them. Well, I knew a hernia you would get from like lifting too much. You could get a hernia. Yeah, but. Um, but I didn't, it wasn't so much that I didn't it's know. It's closer to like, uh, a prolapsed anus is how, yeah, <laughs> or right. rectum is how I, it's a prolapsed, is how I imagined yeah. it before. And I still don't, I'm having never seen or experienced one firsthand. i am still in the yeah. realm of, I've never, I've had a hemorrhoid or two by now. So hell yeah, I've full transparency. I've not had a hernia. Uh, but I'm always afraid of having a hernia since my dad had a hernia mm-hmm. and he had surgery. And you found out after the fact that he had been in surgery. <laughs> well, yeah, but, you know, uh, well, I knew he was going to have hernia surgery. I just didn't know when. And then ah. it was like, oh, it happened. And I'm like, okay, cool. Um, he, it, it was when he was having hernia surgery and while they were fixing the hernia, they found a hernia underneath the hernia that <laughs> oh, had right. started to heal that he'd had for like a very long time, apparently, like 20 years or something. So I'm always scared that I have it because I guess I guess they don't just like if you have a hernia, they don't just fix it. They wait until it gets big enough to fix. I don't exactly Ooh. understand. Yeah. 
It's like, it's, I guess it's the same as like cataracts. You don't just fix cataracts. You have to wait till you're like a specific, oh, yeah. you know. Well, I think it's one of those things like the same for me. Like I haven't eventually have yeah, to, you'll get have to heart get heart surgery, surgery. Yeah. But they wait because. Yeah. Yeah. It only lasts so long. Like yeah. the benefits of it only. Yeah. So that's not terrifying. Enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I laughed. I laughed because I agree with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, I figured. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, ever since that, I was like, oh God, what if I have a hernia? And uh, someone was like, well, you're not a man or whatever. And I was like, uh, well. <laughs> Funny you should say that. Funny you should say that. <laughs> anyway. We watched. I'll tell you what, this conversation has given me some high spirits. <laughs> Fuck off. Wow. It was it was a drudge of a movie. It was there were things I enjoyed about it. None of those things were Steve Gutenberg. <laughs> No yeah, right. No offense. I don't know what it is about him, but him is a romantic. I, he's lead great in, in uh, the boys from Brazil. Okay, I, I just him as a romantic lead is disturbing to me. I just don't enjoy it. It's it, that's anti-Semitic. It, it, no, it, it it weirds me out. No, I know. Same with uh, Albert Brooks. Yes, God. Always confusing to me. Yeah. So those movies, I've never really watched any of those movies. Yeah. Like defending your life and shit. Oh man, defending your life. I don't. I just remember how stupid. I it was so boring. I couldn't get through it. Yeah. I associate Albert Brooks with something being really boring and pretentious. Yeah. And Steve Gutenberg with something being a little too cheesy to be believable. Like that's how he gets cast, and it like and not in a fun way. Like. A yeah. little too over the top for it to feel like you're not watching a student production or something. Yeah, I think it's right, right, right. I think like no offense, students. My first introduction to him is the Police Academy franchise. Yeah, like that's which fine. fits. You yeah, know, like exactly. that's a pr- appropriate level of zany for him, yes. where he's the straight man almost. Yeah. You know, yeah. because everybody yes. else is acting insane around him. Right. Uh, and that works, I think. I th- <laughs> It's well, been a while since I re- I've never well, revisited. What works about it is that he everyone's so ridiculous around him that it doesn't rely so it doesn't rely on him to be a good actor. Yeah, just not as crazy as everyone. He's not else. Robin Williams, right? Yeah, like he can't carry. No, he can't carry a movie. He can't hold the zany. No, he can't hold the zany. But also, he he isn't zany. Right. That's what and, I mean. And by hold, I mean like hold the space yeah right yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't mean like you know sorry Gutenberg. we're just this episode is us i think roasting. he has i think he's good in something i mean he's also the leading cocoon oh god which probably doesn't work because it's kind of a romantic lead so. yeah uh we'll see i've never seen cocoon so we'll i'll have to watch that and see how uncomfortable i am yeah with it. <laughs> probably a so lot we'll see yeah uh short circuit see <laughs> Remember how we tried to watch that? Yeah, I was gonna say Ooh. I loved those movies when I was a kid, but like as a as an adult, I it was really hard to actually finish the movie, oh, and we yeah. didn't no, actually not. finish the movie. We said, it you is. know what? It's really not worth it. it. <laughs> yeah, I can't, I, no matter how many G.W. Bailey's and is it Ali Sheedy? 
Yeah. You I throw at it? Oh. <laughs> and what Oof. is it? Gold, Goldberg or what? No. It's something. Goldsmith. Hold on. The guy who plays the South Asian character? Yeah, that is very much not. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Sure. Is it Jonathan Silverman? It's not <laughs> Short Circuit. It is. I mean, it's going to be like. Who directed that shit while you're there? It is. But he's very much like an early, definitely the first half of the 80s. Oh, yeah. Fisher Stevens, you know, gold. Fisher Stevens. <laughs> is he related to Midnight? Uh, no. Midnight? Hold on. Are you saying M. Night? Nope. Okay. Uh, M. Night Shulman? Yeah. Shadow Stevens. <laughs> uh, Midnight. Hold on. Let me see who, let me see who directed it. It's probably going to be someone. It, Brian De Palma. <laughs> oh, man. William Friedkin. John Badham. Mm-hmm. Who also directed. Did war games. Okay. Did he also direct Daryl, the acronym, which I really want to watch because I've never seen that. Oh, he did six episodes of Psych. Or did he? <laughs> get it? Get it? Get it? Get it? Get it? Get it? Uh, well, the good news, though, is that there's too many people. Oh, my God. He did Point of No Return. What is that? Which one is that? That's the American version of La Femme Nikita, which is uh, not good. Weird. Wow. He directed Saturday Night Fever. Really? <laughs> Apparently. Holy shit. <laughs> okay, well, he's got a... What a woman. Uh, yeah, he's got some oeuvre. He directed an episode of Kung Fu. Oh, Grasshopper. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This movie. I, I, as I was saying, there's the good news is, is there's way too many people in it. Yeah. It's meant to be an ensemble, I think. Oh. It is not at all. It's just no, a clusterfuck. It yeah, it's a clusterfuck. Neil Jordan says that this movie did not, is like the version he shot is not. You know, he's one of those that like he had no input over the editing process and it got put together. That is clear. Yeah. And it's like whomever edited this. <laughs> I hate yeah. movies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this was this I oh man, this is gonna be my <clears throat> least favorite from the series that we're doing. Oh, this easily. Month's series. Easily. Yeah. And yeah. It's definitely I'll tell you what, I'll even take interview over this one yeah for sure i mean i don't hate interview because i'm not a monster but yeah it, I, yeah i don't have that problem. yeah you don't have the nostalgia. i don't have the problem with being labeled a monster <laughs> you don't have the nostalgia and you also mm -hmm. uh don't care about neil jordan as much as i do apparently you just don't have the you don't like you don't like you don't like you don't like queer straight men <laughs> queer straight men <laughs> yeah Look, as a queer straight man, the first, I the first cis, take offense. The first cis trans man. <laughs> Shout out. 
<laughs> God. God, that is the best ever. I know. Right. The fucking anyway. we saw we saw like a Deep Space Nine like character uh, panel or whatever, and it was like describing each character and like what they are. And it said Bashir was the first cis trans man on television. And oh man, I'll, I've never. That's so fucking accurate. It's so fucking painfully accurate and hilarious. And like, not an insult. It's not an insult. It's just. It's especially so great because of how many people are on that cast that are very small physically. <laughs> Right, you yeah. know, like Armin Shimmerman and yeah. Aaron Eisenberg are not. No, Aaron not Eisenberg is like. <laughs> yeah. I forget this. He was like an adult working on that show. Yeah. I didn't realize. Yeah, that. he was a full adult when he <laughs> started playing Nog, <laughs> the eleven-year-old or whatever yeah. Nog. <laughs> yeah. And he's apparent. He seems shorter than. Yeah, he's and even short. Uh, who plays Rom? Uh, Max Grodenchik. Grodenchik, yeah. Also. Small. He traumatized me. Max Grunchick traumatized me. You know this, but I've never worded it quite like this. He did. I literally had to like walk out because it was so painful. He did. I was at a convention. Oh. And he did. And it's no shade to him. I'm sorry that anyone asked you to do this. Mm -hmm. He did a rap as like of like the. I don't know. I had to exit the building. I was Smart. like, I can't. That's good. It was so hard. It was like so much secondhand embarrassment that I have trouble seeing him in things now. Oh, wow. Like I, I cannot. This is okay. This is something about me. Yeah. White people rapping anything, like especially like once you've once you're over the age of like thirty to forty, and you start doing a rap as a bit. No, that's the best time to start. <laughs> I I cannot. I cannot. Like anybody that's like, watch this. And then they start to, I'm like, I can't. It, there's something about it. It's like, it's literally like skin crawling, gonna have a panic attack anxiety that I cannot handle it. It's too much. It, it's, that's too bad because my name is Keith and I'm here to say rapping um, by white people is here to stay. <laughs> If you don't make a trailer out of that, I will be making a trailer out of that. It's so horrible. Oh my god. Anyway, this is the last episode we just broke up. <laughs> Turn out the light. <laughs> um this does not have There's no Stephen Ray. There's no Stephen Ray, which yeah, I mean There's actually uh, an embarrassing uh shortage of Irish actors as far as I could tell. I mean all the Apparently, Stars, Irish actors are the staff, which yeah, of the movie. It's fine, I or get in it. the movie, not of the movie, because <laughs> they live in the castle. Yeah, in Ireland, the castle Blumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh Magnum Pio. Yeah, <laughs> I loved Peter O'Toole in this. He was so yeah, ridiculous. Great. Like I've never really seen him do like. I felt like he was doing such like a dry comedy performance and it was so ridiculous. <laughs> Speaking of dry comedy. That's why he's my mentor. <laughs> I think you mean Mentos. Um, the Fresh Maker. Um, he, <laughs> the way when he's talking to his 
the ghost of his dad. Did it never occur to you that I might need some advice? I might miss you. Oh, Peter, I I never thought it was true, you old ghost. I missed your daddy. Oh, give your daddy a hug. So good, and then when he when he takes a drink of the, and he's <laughs> he does so many things. I wanted more. I there I was like, there needs Wait, to be more. Right Peter before Tool. that, yeah. Where they take the shots when they're going up, and he plows through <laughs> the chairs. That was I was really impressed yeah. with that. My father's brew. Like he And also we had some debate about there's a scene where <laughs> it's when the knight the knight's armor is coming down the stairs and he jumps over it. Yeah. I we had some debate or I, I don't want to call it debate. He said, Is that him? And I said, I don't think so. Just jumping over it. Yeah. Just because it didn't seem like it didn't seem they didn't seem as long in the neck and they didn't seem like yeah. I, I felt just, like there was too much of his face to the camera. See, you would think that, but this movie, I don't don't think anybody gave. I a just shit. feel like if that scene was the one where it was apparent, then there would have been a lot more. What's the matter? Oh, oh, oh! I was looking at the seconds and not the minutes, and I'm like, how have we been talking for forty minutes? We have not been talking Easy. for forty. <laughs> I'm right now working on editing the Butcher Boy episode. It's only like an hour long. Yeah, we didn't talk that long about Butcher. That's Boy. with the lobby. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't. I know. Yeah, we didn't talk super long on I that was one. Surprised. Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I was worried last night. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say about this. Beverly, Beverly, De- Beverly Angelo, Beverly Angelo, Beverly Angelo. <laughs> she's. I think she's super hot. Like she's yeah. super hot. I think she does great with what she's given in this because she's yeah. supposed to be like the bitchy wife and she does great with it. Say, but also and, I'm and like National Lampoons also she's kind of a nag or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that was like her shtick. You know, she was like That's too bad. Also yeah. on SVU. <laughs> yeah. She's um, a horrible lawyer. Yeah. And her character was like very strange in this movie taking all kinds of turns Ugh. that I didn't get like whatever. But Yep. Um, Like you want to go I, through the premise or the plot real quick? Vaguely, because you can't go what, too deep okay. without it. <laughs> there is nothing deep to go about. Well, it. I just mean trying to describe it with any detail other than Peter O'Toole is the heir of this castle. They're out of money. Yeah. And he's. it opens with him on the phone call to an American or someone in America. Well, so here's what the thing is. It's also never addressed is how Liam Neeson is a relative of Beverly D'Angelo. They have the same last name. Correct. Right. Otherwise never addressed. That's fair. Um, Also, did he die on the same night because his ghost is killing her ghost over and over? Whatever. So, yeah. But like 
Plunkett and Bogan or whatever. Because um, Elsie. O'Toole, Peter O'Toole is Plunkett. His last name is Plunkett, which is Daryl Hannah's last name and in the movie. And uh, then the Bogan or whatever, who's Beverly D'Angelo, and her dad is who sent her to the castle or whatever. Right. And, like, so it's, like, somehow they both, like, Plunkett is, like, has had the castle in his family for a long time, but, like, Bogan, like, owns the castle or He owns something. the mortgage or something? Yeah, it's very, that part was confusing. I see you want to move the castle to Malibu, which I am to presume lies on the western corner of those United States. Mr. Brogan, if I cannot send your payment, how on earth do you expect to transport an entire castle across the sea? The number of stamps alone is mind-boggling. Brogan. Brogan. Did I, is that what I said? No, you said Bogan. Okay. <laughs> More in the mic, please. So, yeah, like, they decide, yeah, it's very weird. They decide to do, because it's, like, the castle's failing. It's also a hotel. It's already a hotel. Yeah, the castle hotel is failing, so (laughs) they decide to make it a ghost-themed castle, and they rig up all this stuff. They already have a theme. It's castle hotel. (laughs) Right? They, oh, they... Rig it up with a bunch of like silly parlor tricks. My favorite is the mirror. I love when they do that one because it's like it's holograms. Somehow. Yeah, it's holograms, and like they're so believable that like Steve Gutenberg is like trying to fight one off of Beverly D'Angelo, who then says no means no, mm-hmm. and I don't want to have sex Hashtag. with you. <laughs> and so that I feel like that's like a really good sign when you're married to someone that's like I. Do not want to have sex with you to any degree. I, I mean, just want to say, to say you don't their want to arc is similar to the beginning of Crampton and Combs dynamic in Castle Freak. With, but without any explanation as to why. Yeah, she's just a frigid bitch. Yeah, she's just a bitch. She married him. It's very confusing because it's like, wait, he doesn't. Remember in Castle Freak? How it would have made sense if he married her for her status right, and money. Yeah. But right, yeah, she, he's just a journalist. Right. Uh, sort of, or some, is that what he is? I, I think so. Okay, he's, I didn't know. I think he thinks he's there to do a report, oh. a piece on it, but oh. that never See, really comes I, up. I miss that. Remember how in Castle Freak, Jeffrey Combs ate pussy. No, I forget. Do you remember that? No, I think about it sometimes. I think about it sometimes. Um, like I just kudos to Jeffrey Combs. You know. Yeah. Totally. Remember how the castle freak didn't bites off a titty? And her... Oh, fuck. What did Liam Neeson call it? A bull... Bulobas or something? I don't know. Oh, lady, I've got the best boogies from here to Ballandary. Bulbalubas. <laughs> he just kept referring to his... Oh, yeah, right. His down there as like... Yes. Bull- Baloney or something. I don't know. It was something not great. What the fuck is this movie? Anyway, they do it. They do a ghost themed castle, and but with fake ghosts, and then surprise. And then the real ghosts ghosts are real, and they show you how this is. Yeah, and then they come out, and then everyone is mad, and everybody keeps trying to leave, and they don't let them leave, and then 
the ghosts keep coming What's kind of sad is you can see how this might could work. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. I, mean, I could anyway. I'm, cur- I'm curious. I, w- I mean, the only thing I'd be ever be interested in is to see Neil Jordan's... Director's cut. ...version of it. He says it's locked away in a vault somewhere or whatever. So, Neil Jordan, bring... Your- <laughs> There's such a high demand. Oh, and he wrote it, too. Yeah, he wrote script. it. Yeah. Which apparently he almost always does. Yeah. His own scripts. Yeah. Not surprising. Considering well, and I saw I watched a video. I don't know if you saw it, but it's one I watched today. He's talking about his quote first gig. I think is the name of the program. It's like how you got into the biz or whatever. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he said he had a book of short stories that some director had read. Yeah, and then invited him to come work on a script, a oh, screenplay. Wow, that's amazing. And then he was like, oh, well, how about I shoot a document documentary of you making this film? Yeah. And he was like, that's how I learned to make films. That's amazing. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's so cool because that explains why his style is so different. And so, yeah. (laughs) And so like, yeah, he didn't go to school. Yeah. And it explains why he doesn't so much follow the formula Right. of like, you know, it's not formulaic. It tells a story, but not, not so much from start to finish as just from the inter- just the interesting parts of the story. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, his stuff is really yeah, okay. Yeah, all the things I'm really glad we did this because and, all the uh, things Hang on. Okay. <laughs> Cuz the movie was uh Excalibur. John Boorman mm. is the director. Um, I'm really glad we did this because all the things she said <laughs> running through my head. Uh yeah, all the all the things about him are super interesting. Like, um, like the yeah. one you sent today, where he was talking about having been homeless, yeah. and the way he talks about it, he's like, "I'm glad I went through that because people don't understand what it's what you know. People have a misunderstanding of it, and I'm glad that I yeah. experienced it. And I'm like, man, what a, what a cool guy, man. <laughs> he's just like I felt, I felt I had mixed feelings about that. Yeah, the way he talks about it, but I mean, clearly it's yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm like, yeah, that makes sense how he's able to write the way that he does, how yeah. he's able to direct and make characters the way he does, because he's not coming at it from an outside. He's not yeah. coming at it from an outsider's perspective. He's coming from it as having lived these yeah. experiences, like maybe he, not to the degree that he's writing it, but like he's not writing poverty right. or, you know, working class as like some strange you know, and he doesn't yeah. direct it like some weird other like thing or like it, unrealistic. Like it, you, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. And I like the way he talked about how he starts writing things. He sees like an image and then he starts writing stuff from that. And I'm like, yeah. man, I love that because like, I mean, Thomas Harris said something similar in that he was like, I'm paraphrasing, uh, of course, because I can never remember the actual like mm-hmm. uh, quote, but I think it was like the beginning, like some foreword or something that he wrote for, I think it was Red Dragon uh, when it was like re-released when the movie came out. Mm. The book, I mean. And he said- oh, The book was re-released yeah. when the movie came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's what happened. And he was saying how like he he never considers himself as someone who like- creates a story like the story is there it's just him getting and that's how i really i I don't feel like when i'm not carving an image into the stone you're removing the stone from the (laughs) 
Well, no, I mean, like, I get that because that's always how it feels. Like, I can't, I don't make up stories. Like, they come to me. Like, I don't, I don't think of something and I'm like, oh, I would like for this. I, like, see something and, like, I can't make it happen the way that I want it to happen. It has to happen the way the story unfolds. And I really feel like I don't have control over that at all. Like, I don't feel like I have any sort of control over the direction that the story goes. So like whenever people talk about like, Oh, I don't, I don't make stuff up. Stuff comes to me and I write it down. I'm like, yeah, no, that's how it feels. Like, I don't feel like I'm sitting there coming up with ideas for a story and trying to make that a reality. I feel like the story's there. I'm just trying to understand it. Like, I'm like, Oh, I have to like, like, take it in and that's why sometimes it's not always easy to sit down and write because like I'm having tr I'm like okay I have to see the story I have to see how it unfolds and I can't just make that happen like it has to come to me when it wants to um and that sounds silly maybe but like I don't I really I don't know how to you know because like I understand the, the concept that oh, I've I'm, heard lots of writers say this kind of thing I, I, I cannot relate to it I, I mean but I don't write right. fiction so <laughs> I can understand uh, or like or I I understand why it might seem like nonsensical to say like, because I understand it all comes out of my head, mm -hmm. you know, to be like, I don't make it up. What I mean is like, I don't say I want to write a story about a guy doing a thing. Right. And then that comes, it, that's not how it comes. Yeah. Like if I did that, I would sit down and I'd be like a guy doing a thing. Nothing would happen. Like I would not be able to make any, See, I would get I so feel like bored. I would get so structuralist that I would have to say like, here are the points well, that you I can want to do happen. That. You can do that. But like, it doesn't happen like it doesn't like they're all the stories I write like as they come as the, it's like it feels like it sounds so stupid but it feels like they're under they're submerged mm. and like as they're coming out I see like points of them mm. and then like this story starts coming up and I see more and I'm like oh that's how they all connect and then you know as it fully fleshes out the whole thing you know is you know out of the water and I'm like oh I see it all now so like you get like certain points of it at first and you're like, okay, okay, okay. And then you're like, how do they connect? And then that, it never is a Do you thing. write it like that though? Do you write out those first points? Those first? No, I don't usually write. So I'm really superstitious. I don't really like to write things down because I, so. No, no, I didn't mean like. Uh, okay. Notes. I meant like, is that how you write a story? Like it reveals itself as the way it's revealed to you. Like, do you know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, yeah. Well, yes, but I don't. <sighs> yes and no. So what I do is it's like I start to see points of it. I'm like, this is interesting. <laughs> so I'm going to keep thinking about those points. But I don't. That's what I'm saying. I don't write it at first because sometimes you see okay. the points and then it just goes back under and you're like, oh, there's nothing there. Like it didn't, you know. There's I, you know. She didn't really want to breathe. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a break real quick. Be right back. <laughs> you know, sometimes it comes up, goes back down, comes up, goes back down. Like, you know, I'll see. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'll see it. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm thinking about that. And it's like really exciting. And I'm like, oh, I love this idea. And then it just like goes away. And I'm like, oh yeah nothing I can't do anything with it like I don't it never goes past that point so I, I don't and then sometimes that happens a couple times uh -huh. 
and then it starts coming and then it starts coming to fruition and then it, it starts and I'm like, oh, this and this and this. So I don't really start writing it until I have a more of a concept um, of like all the things happening around it. And I have to really be thinking about something for a while before I actually try to write about it because I can get an idea. I can get really excited about it. I can be like, oh my God. And I start writing about it and I'm like, wow, this is nothing. <laughs> Nothing's good. I don't know what the fuck yeah. I'm thinking. So I usually like let it simmer for a while hmm. and before I try to write about it. But I do like the first draft and that's like, that's it being like f- a fleshed out story, you know? And, and sometimes like, I don't really like sometimes like, I think it's a lot more solidified than it actually is. And then something else will pop up and I'm like, Oh fuck. And I'll start over or <laughs> I'll, you know, like whatever. Um, but usually once I get a full, I wish we had some HBO style animation. Right now. <laughs> once I get a full, uh, like draft out, that's when I like, that's usually, okay, that's the story. And like things can change here and there. Um, but like I'll go back and that's when I add like the meat of the uh-huh. story right. and like all the little bits that I didn't necessarily get to put in or mm-hmm. whatever. So yeah. It's fascinating. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I well, don't, cause I can't relate to it. all. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, I don't, I really truly can't say that I've anytime I've tried to, I'm like, I want to write a story about this thing, I cannot make myself do it. Like it has to be something like it'll, I'll get, it's like an image or like I'll get, or it'll start with like a feeling or something. And I'm like, Oh, Mm -hmm, what is mm -hmm. that? What's, what's going on there? And then it'll be like a, like a, like a very small idea. And I'm like, Oh, what's that? And then it'll be like, Oh, is there more to it? You know, what can I add to it? Things like that. But I, yeah, like it doesn't, it, it feels so far away from anything I manufacture. Like I cannot, Mm -hmm. if there's like, if there's an idea that I have that I would like to write about, I can't make myself write about it unless the story comes like to me fully. Like if it doesn't, then Mm. I just, it's not going to be there. Like I can have ideas. I can think about something. And I've, uh, I guess a way I try to relate to it is, like I've had, a, I've had a very few, I've had a very few times where like I feel like I have an idea, but it's bef- before language gets to it. Yeah. Or yeah. Before I put language to it. Mm-hmm. And I guess because some of my. Do you see it in images? Not always. Okay. I mean, sometimes. Is it in feelings? Do you have like a feeling? Yeah. Okay. I guess it's like I'm thinking of one particular, like a performance piece I wrote mm-hmm. for myself that, like I didn't have a language for it. I had a bunch of connect. I mean, I was connecting them in the piece, but the idea. I, I mean, I realized afterwards that it was like, oh, okay. Well, the thing is, like, how do you suspend? someone's understanding of a piece having begun <laughs> like i did yeah. it was a bunch of like false starts combined yeah. together yeah 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 and uh anyway whatever anyway encountering the idea that like uh 
you have an idea and the only way to express it or you know you express you pick the medium based on like that's yeah. the only way to express that idea yeah which is and i you know something i an approach i was taught uh-huh. uh of course in my brain just became an excuse uh, uh, an excuse not to make things. <laughs> uh huh. That doesn't sound like you That's at all. It's not very useful. Yeah. <laughs> I find it not terribly useful. Also, I feel like it takes a lot of um, confidence in your competence of a specific medium. <laughs> so, or you know that. that <laughs> In my case, I'm like, another, that's another way I'm like, oh, well, I don't, <laughs> sure, this idea might be expressed best in music, but I don't have the requisite theory yeah. or yeah. skill with a particular instrument, you know, like, yeah. anyway. Though I do, I am a fan of like trying to let yourself, n- <clears throat> to put off putting language Mm-hmm. To yeah. an idea, mm-hmm. yeah. Because once you do that, it tends to just edify. You know, you like you, it becomes yeah. that thing, yeah, rather than the idea, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I feel like I'm also really superstitious, and I feel like <sighs> if I if I do anything with it yeah. too soon, it's just gonna like, it's gonna try to solidify without having any actual like exactly substance, and then it's just gonna fade away. So I get really like I don't like outlining stuff I don't like um like I'm really I keep a lot of I have like a really good memory like (laughs) people would be surprised even though I can't remember anyone's name and I've started the thing where I'm writing enough stuff that I don't always remember who I'm writing about and have started misnaming characters yes and accidentally calling them my own name (laughs) so that's a really embarrassing admission yeah that's psychopathy or something that's just yeah it's just i have the i have the old timers um (laughs) uh so yeah it's just uh i do have a sort of i do because i you know the new thing i'm writing i'll be like marissa and i'm like what's her name i'm like that's not her name What's her fucking name? And I get really like I just making a face. Okay. Don't worry about All me. Right. Okay. You are making a face at me while I'm talking about something though. So I assume you want me to stop talking about it. No. What that's that's your own shit. <laughs> no. Oh. No. Um yeah, anyway. Uh <laughs> I but whatever. Like I do a lot of like outlining and stuff like that in my own head. Like sometimes I'll write something down to remember it better. But what I mean by that is not, I write it down so I can look at it and remember. I write oh, it down yeah. so that the, 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 the act of writing it down. Yeah. Basically. Is what, yeah. yeah. That's how I've historically, how notes have helped me because yeah. I never go back to them. I just, yeah, not once in writing while sometimes, someone is talking or something. Sometimes I will go back to notes. When I used to have a job, I used to go back to my notes because I would write things down that I knew that I needed to tell you later that were really funny about the meeting. <laughs> yeah, like right, the time sure. that my boss's boss said algorithm instead yeah. of algorithm. Uh, well, that's which, not taking notes. That's just documenting. 
That's fair. <laughs> I'm say, no, I'm saying I would take notes in the meeting, but I would have to go back to the notes so I'd see the little tiny uh, things I that I wrote for you. Um, yeah. The algorithm thing, that one was the hardest thing I ever had to write down because she said it. And I had to not laugh mm-hmm. because it's a meeting. And then you where, had to think about how and, to spell it so you then, remember yes. how it was pronounced. And then as I was trying to write it down, I just kept hearing her sure. say it over and over right. in my head. So I was, I had my head completely down. You just looked like you were having a seizure. Yeah, basically. I was just like, like my shoulders were just shaking and I was looking down and trying to seem like I was like nodding and <laughs> writing notes and shit. And I was like. Like you're just really feeling yeah, it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's <laughs> such good stuff. Thank you so much. <laughs> And and in reality, I was mm. just like, "Don't laugh out loud right now. Like, do anything." But but every time I was like, "A L G O," and then I was imagining you hearing me. I was imagining having to say it out loud. I was like, "Oh God!" Like, oh man, yeah, it was a lot. She was she was a weird one. Mr. Grinch, what you looking for? Your phone? What you gonna get? I'm going to look at the cast, because we got Steve Gutenberg, Peter O'Toole. Yep. Daryl Hannah. Uh, Daryl Hannah is Mary uh, Plunkett. Liam Neeson is yeah. somebody. Daryl Hannah, Brogan. autistic. Yeah. She was diagnosed as a kid. Really? Yeah. She's, she, yeah. Um, and, yeah, she was a little weirdo. As a kid, and yeah, Jennifer Tilly and Peter Gallagher, yeah, as two fuckable shits. I don't know. Yeah. So, I was seeing this guy, and he's a devil worshiper, right? Well, he's he's a hairdresser, really, but he devil worships on the side. And we booked this dumb tour because you know he likes ghosts, corpses, dead gerbils, that kind of thing. And he ran off with this Buddhist monk. I mean. How was I supposed to know he was gay? So what about you? Are you gay too? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm chaste. Just kidding. Trick question. Uh, Jennifer Tilly, hot in everything, always. Nothing. I don't. Correct. I don't know what Jennifer Tilly could do that I wouldn't like. I mean, I'd even go to town and liar, liar. Like I don't. There's nothing she could do that. Is she actually in that? Yes, she is. Oh. Uh, with a with blonde short hair. I know. Uh, Peter Gallagher, never someone that I find attractive because he reminds, I'm not saying he looks like my brother. He reminds me of my brother. There's just something about him. His like nose to mouth ratio. It just reminds me just I see it in this because I've never, I've never seen him with like flat hair. Yeah. Yeah. There's just something and no shade to Peter Gallagher. He's, he's a, a much more handsome version of anyone my brother could be, but right. just the the. I think he's attractive, and from what I've seen him, he, in, he's yeah. a fine actor. He's yeah, he's great, and I don't, you know, it's again no shade to him, but oh my god, just you know, he reminds me of my brother, and I just can't do that. Um, someone else that reminds me of my brother is um, uh, oh, what do you call him? Tony Schloop. No, Dinklage. Uh. Peter? Normal size Dinklage is oh, regular size Dinklage. Regular size Dinklage. Yeah. He 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 came into the theater yeah, one I time and I was so shocked. I was like, is because my brother was gonna come visit me and I knew it. And oh. I thought it was my actual brother did for he? a second. Ever? He did. Yeah, he did. Here? Yes. Wow. 
Yeah. And regular size Dinklage came in and I was like, <laughs> I mean, probably and I used then to he say just didn't size. respond to right. me. You. And I, you know, I hadn't seen my brother in a couple of years, so it wasn't, you know. I wonder what happened to that guy. He's I know. Still around. Yeah, I know. I think he, well, whatever. I don't have to dox him. Um, <laughs> uh, I, okay. The other couple is, uh, oh, also those kids. Oh, my God. It's pretty scary, huh, kids? Didn't you see Nightmare on Elm Street? Give me a break. But uh, Martin Ferrero plays yeah. the parapsychologist. Ghost Hunter. I was like, I almost called him Miguel Ferrer, and I was like, that is not right. But it's it's like a yeah, yeah it's like it's like uh the it's like the Connie Booth played Marge his it's like a wish version of Miguel Ferrer's name. Like what is it? Martin Fer- Ferrero. Ferrero, yeah. Longer this is your doing Yes, I think we could stay one more night. Tupping, that's what it is. Tupping. Tup with a what? Tup I, with the ghost and get the grave. Yeah, and then what is the other one? Step stooping? Scarp sh- stupping or starping? Start tupping and then stooping. I don't know what it is. No. I don't know. Stooping <laughs> is something else. Stooping? I don't know. It was something scarping. Scarping, sculp no? sculping. Oh, oh maybe sculping. it's sculping. Oh I don't like those. Neil Jordan, please explain the the sculpting and shit. Ugh, it was so weird. I don't know. Funny, romantic, sexy. What more can I say? Nope. None I of those... love this movie. Nope. It's one of my favorites. Nope. And I've been trying to get it on video for ages. <laughs> uh, all those all those things are incorrect. It's not, it's not funny. It's not sexy. There was like almost not The only thing that I enjoyed about it, and I, I like this kind of stuff. I, I really enjoy when things... Like, I think um, The Cell does something similar where... So they have like the the stage uh, yep. set, and it's like the ocean, and it's like they show like the the stage set pieces or whatever, and then it like the the guests. Res- I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Like when a wave comes up, they get splashed with a bunch of yep. water, but you don't see like. Yeah, I don't know. I really liked the way that that happened. So the stage is one of those old timey. Yeah. I don't know. I've seen it in, I guess, like 1920s set or teens yeah. set things or like yeah. vaudeville where you have moving set pieces where someone's just all out in the yeah. wings, like moving things back and forth. So yeah. It yeah. look like the ocean or whatever. Yeah. And then they're layered in. Yeah. Upstage to downstage or. Yeah. Back to front. Backwards. Yeah, I had that backwards. Downstage is closest to the audience, uh, to create you know depth, and so things can pass between them yeah. and whatever. So, um, but so the camera will be facing the stage and the moving parts, and then a whale comes, and then yeah. reverse angle to the audience. Yeah, and you see, and a whale you tail. see a giant fucking whale tail, <laughs> and then a giant. Yeah. Gush of water onto yeah. them. I the like thing that, that really got me is when the kid gets captured by the tentacle, yeah. that would have, I would have, as a kid, that really would have been uh, like, yeah. right. And it's so, it's me. so interesting. I love stuff like that. I mean, I like that, the idea that like you're showing something, like the, the cell does it a little differently, but like in, in the movie, she's like in a dream 
mm-hmm. she's trying to communicate with the kid and she's like, let's go sailing. And they look over and there's like, they're in the desert. And she's like, yeah. she's like, let's go sailing. And like, she looks over and there's like a, a like old ship that's like crumbling. Right. And she's like, that's too old. And then she looks over and there's like, and there's like a ship just like, like a toy ship on the ground. She's like, that's perfect. And like, in the end of the movie, she ends up taking it like, you know, it's the whole thing where she like has to wake up and they don't go sailing all this stuff. But like <laughs> at the end of the movie, she takes him sailing where she sets it in the tree. Like she sets the boat, she props the boat up in a tree and, and has blue, a blue blanket, like, um, strapped like from a, another tree to like one tree to another. So it's flowing and looks like water. And she's like, we're going sailing. And I love that idea that like, you can say something and do something and it's not the literal interpretation. Like you're not literally doing it, but you're like, you're showing like imagery of it, but it's means the same thing. And I feel like movies are really, mm-hmm. you know, very like, you know, obviously you can do that in anything you do, but like the idea of it in a movie, the way, you know, where you can show an ocean and you can show an octopus, but they're choosing to show like the flat imagery of it. And, to imply that like it's not real, but they're feeling it anyway. Like I don't know. I really liked that part. But that was pretty much it. That was like, <laughs> that's all I really liked the movie. Well, and again, it's it. it you, I got, I felt like I got the sense that like oh, this would have been really great if we'd seen more of it, or if yeah. Jordan had been able to yeah. do whatever he wanted, it, whatever his what, intention yeah. was with it, right. <laughs> Like, I, yeah, it's just like, I guess I really enjoy, I think the thing that's so weird about this is that I don't understand the point of this movie and it doesn't yes. feel like anything Neil Jordan inspired that I've ever seen. I've never yeah, seen a wild. Neil Jordan it movie like so this. feels so divorced from. Yeah. And it's so, it's, it's so, <coughs> that's what was unenjoyable about it though, yeah. because it didn't feel, it didn't have the, re- the, the weird, strange realism that his that his movies, even when they're showing like an otherness, you know, like mm-hmm. even when he's doing, he's like directing a vampire movie. There's right. like some sort of like realness to it that's like interesting. Yeah, I'm realizing you know? he he does a lot of sort of playing with myth and yeah. legend yeah. and perception yeah. of mm-hmm. those things. Yeah. Like yeah. watching him talk about, like I watched a couple of interviews when he was working on or doing junkets for Ondine or yeah. Undine, yeah. which I don't really know I've about. I've never seen that one, yeah. But he's talking about, yeah, taking a, making it sort of a dark film. Yeah. And also Greta, which is a more recent one of his, I think. I don't know. These are films I yeah, know I nothing about. Yeah, I haven't seen Greta, just, yeah. But, yeah, I haven't seen really any of his like more recent ones, if yeah. I'm honest. I've apparently seen like two of his films before we, <laughs> before we did this. Okay, so we got uh, Liz Smith playing his uh, O'Toole's mom. Yeah. Um, Who didn't start acting until she was over the age of fifty? Oh hell yeah! Tom Rohrer plays his deceased father. Papa. Uh, you know, then we got a bunch of other folks. Yeah, there's a ton of people. That don't, yeah. Although I love the scene at the beginning when they, when everybody first gets there and they're playing music or whatever and the girl's singing and, and 
Peter O'Toole and the other guy, one of the other like staff, they're sitting at the bar. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Gutenberg's yeah. like, this is great. And they're like, shut up. It's so fucking, it the way that they do it is so fucking funny. I don't know why. And then Peter O'Toole's just sitting there like, <laughs> he's so fucking funny. He was so funny in this. Yeah. Uh, too bad it's all. It's all shit. Wasted. Yeah. Would you recommend this movie? No. I really wouldn't either. I would recommend it if you're a Neil Jordan fan and you've never seen it. I would be like, you should watch this and see how strange and un-Neil Jordan-like it is. You know, or if you're getting into it, it's a good way to see how a mainstream sort of approach to someone I mean, if like you want Neil to see Daryl Hannah attempt an Irish accent. Right. Drink to me only with thine eyes and I will pledge with mine. Or leave a kiss within the cup. And I'll not ask for a wine. Not as terrible as, no. you know, a lot of other people sure. that I've seen uh, attempt it. Uh, but um, so, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. Like, I think this is a great example of when <laughs> someone is like, like, you know, we talked about how he doesn't have like uh uh like oh what do you call it? a traditional career he doesn't have mm. he doesn't have an educational background in film right which is what sets him apart and makes his stuff so interesting is because he isn't trained to do this kind of thing right and so that's and so that's really it yeah it just adds something to it and i feel like this movie is like so these guys, are the, these guys are the real auteurs, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. But no, I mean, like, you know, this is like a major, ho- this was like a yeah. Hollywood movie and it goes to show <clears throat> that like, yeah, those things don't, don't mix. mix. Yeah. Or they don't always mix. Like if you want to hire someone that's a great independent filmmaker and you want to come in and you want to have all of these things that you do and change, it's not going to be a film from them because, right. and, you know. So yeah, it's a super interesting, like that was really what was I was also seeing him talk also. I mean, I don't do a lot of listening to directors for a reason. Yeah. Correct. But, <laughs> Hashtag uh, same. It reminded me of listening to the commentary on Darkly Noon. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I was going But he also, I mean, he didn't do any film school. He went, he studied, he was a visual artist. Yeah. Which is. Very evident in, in Darkly Noon, at least. Yeah. He's got what his first name is the name of Philip Ridley. Last... Oh, Ridley. Never mind. I had it backwards. I was going to say his first name is the last name of somebody more famous, but no, it's his last name is the first name of someone more famous. Tony Scott. <laughs> Director of Tony Scott? Mm-hmm. He was, he did, he made numbers, right? The show did numbers? He? Am I wrong? I don't know. We all use math every day. It's not what I'm referring to, believe it or not. Okay. I'll tell you what, he he directed a, a film that came out two years prior to this one. Prior to th- Oh my god. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, he was a, a producer for oh, numbers. Producer. The show numbers. He's no longer alive, is that true? I I don't know. 
girl. <laughs> I'm constantly surprised when I'm reminded that Ridley Scott is. Yeah, he died in 12. <laughs> he died in <he> 12. <laughs> he and Ridley Scott look a lot alike, though. They're brothers. I've definitely never seen them together, and I don't. But like, I don't know if I could pick Ridley Scott out of a lineup, and I don't know that would, I've ever seen say, Tony that's Scott. Him and it'd be like, no, that's that's maybe they don't look like. I don't know. Okay, Ridley, Ridley. Are you thinking of the the Raimi brothers? And Tony Scott. Yeah, I'm thinking. Of, no, I don't. No, I'm Ron of Howard and, and I'm thinking of Ridley Scott. That's who I'm thinking of because I, if you Google Tony Scott, Ridley Scott's picture comes up. So I'm like they are, they're 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 <laughs> so they really do look like. <laughs> Yeah, no, that never mind. Uh, what's Ron Howard's brother's name? <sighs> Give me a second. It is <sighs> Clint, Clint Clint Howard. Clint Howard. Who I I feel like I am more familiar with Clant than I am with Ron Howard acting wise. Oh yeah. Because Clint was in Star Trek. And he was also in a lot of, he's always, he's, he always is the weird little bald guy in everything. You know, I feel like until Curtis Armstrong started playing those roles, what? Weird little, little bald, bald guy? guy. I just, it's such a nice way to talk about something. It is. It's sweet. <laughs> he's no rants. <laughs> Stooping, scar, scarp, stupping, starping.